0: You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with Kathy Dunn. Kathy, I'll let you introduce yourself. Just tell us about who you are, where you work, what you do. That kind of fun stuff.
1: Okay, awesome. I'm Kathy Dunn. I am an acquisitions librarian at Mississippi State University. Um, I graduated this past May from UT Knoxville with my master's in information science.
0: Woohoo, Tennessee. And
1: I, yeah, Tennessee. Um, Before that, I worked at University of Memphis and I've basically just been living here in Starkville um, and, you know, starting this career. It's been really great. I started my job in July. Um, so I'm a brand new baby librarian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of questions. Where in Tennessee? Are you from Tennessee?
1: I have moved around a good bit, but I mainly am from north mississippi memphis okay. area
0: that's cool so yeah. um so casino land
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> shopping <laughs> land yeah graceland is there lots of fun touristy things
0: so yeah, that was the uh the last time i went to that particular part of north mississippi was uh to go to the gold strike with my mom oh uh, yeah um, yeah so yeah i'm familiar <laughs> Yeah, I'm familiar. Um, it's it's very flat. Um, it is. I mean that yeah. the best way possible. It's just really flat. I mean, it I is. Can't... <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> um, I mean, I do like hills, but it is very flat. Uh, and um, you know, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful place. I've I, I love like the whole Mississippi River like
1: mm-hmm.
0: area. It's just. Yeah, very... there's so
1: many cool things, unique things to see over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis has just some really unique things like Beale Street and the downtown area. And, and a the Bass pyramid. Pro pyramid. Yeah, the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. Um, which is, which has been featured in the show
0: too. several times. Um, oh, yeah? In fact, there's a whole episode where we talked about it. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> well, we, ha- we were... Um, we were, uh, there was a high, uh, high ed web conference in Memphis and we did a recap episode and, uh, it, it featured prominently. We'll say that, um, ah, it was in the title, yeah. um, because it's it was such a, it is very interesting because it was meant to, uh, you know, be the home of an NBA team and then an NBA, the NBA team was attracted to Memphis, but ended up building their own thing and, mm-hmm. And then Bass Pro bought the pyramid, and it yeah, is a replica, was... a glass replica yeah. of the pyramid at Giza. Mhm, mhm.
1: So... And it was empty for several years before Bass Pro moved in. So it's craziness. At least it's being used. <laughs> yeah, it's being used. It's not just a big empty pyramid, um,
0: mm-hmm. which is, you know, typically what pyramids are. But you know, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, anyway, why don't you maybe explain a little bit what what is an acquisitions librarian and how did you decide to become that?
1: Sure. So I came to libraries in 2015. I graduated from MSU um, in 2014 and I majored in English. Um, so I, for a while, just kind of Didn't know what I wanted to do with that. I got a teaching certificate um, through an alternate route, like a six-week program where you basically learn everything that an education major would learn in four years, crammed into a few weeks of training, and it gives you a provisional teaching license. So for a while, I was going to teach high school English, um, and it was while I was looking around for teaching jobs that I just kind of stumbled across a job at a public library, and this was at the Germantown Community Library just outside of Memphis, mm-hmm. and I was like, hmm, I'll, I'll apply for that. I mean, that sounds interesting. I didn't know much about libraries. I was, I was working in retail part-time, and I just kind of really wanted <laughs> my first full-time <laughs> job, So, so I applied and, um, I ended up getting the job and I just absolutely fell in love with the type of work that I was doing. At first it was really overwhelming because there's different departments in libraries. Like there's, you know, circulation where you check out your books, um, reference and the usually a children's area in public libraries, Um, So I was splitting my time between being at circulation, checking out books to people, creating library cards for people, um, reference where I would answer more in-depth questions, um, help people find books, and do interlibrary loan, which is when people request books that aren't held by a particular library, Uh, we can request it from another library in the same system. Um and and I was also helping the director with just various projects in the back office so I had three supervisors for a while so it was kind of that's always stressful right? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, but eventually I moved over into reference full-time and I just really loved helping people uh, interacting with people it just really... Like a lot of times I would help people apply for jobs, mm-hmm. um, use the printer, you know, find some a book that they needed. and it was just really fun and it just yeah. really made me feel like I was, you know helping the public. and I loved it. And then, um, how I came to University of Memphis was a job just happened to open up, and I, applied. And I hadn't really wanted to leave. But the hours for the public library were quite a bit longer. There were 12 hour days sometimes. Wow,
0: that is yeah. I mean, I get <laughs> I get public service and I get that you're helping the public. But holy moly.
1: that's yeah, a Yeah, it was and it was quite a drive from where I lived. I lived in South Haven at the time.
0: So mm-hmm. it's
1: about half-hour 40-minute drive I knew that um, yeah um,
0: yeah I live like I live like maybe 10 11 miles from the university uh, yeah but I have to go through where all the cars are going and it makes it kind of impossible right <laughs> um, so yeah definitely understand definitely understand
1: yeah and um, during my interview for university of Memphis, they mentioned to me that if I were to work there, then I could get my education basically for free because they offer tuition waivers for yeah. state employees. That's great. So yeah, it was amazing benefit. Um, and a to degree. be a librarian, yeah. yeah, to be a librarian, it, it requires a master's degree. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that if I ever wanted to move up and if I ever wanted to, you know, pursue this as my career, then I really needed to take advantage of that. So that was one of the main things that made me decide to make that move to academic libraries. Um, So right after about six months after I started, um, I started my degree online through UT Knoxville. Mm hmm. So it was, um, it was hard doing both at the same time, but definitely really worth it. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's one thing if you're, if you're doing your master's degree and you're be, you're like a graduate assistant or something like that, you know, it's stressful, but when you're, when you've got a full-time 40 hour a week job and you're also doing a master's degree, <laughs> I think it's impressive
1: It was, you know, it was tough doing all that, balancing all that. And then later on, um, about halfway through the program, I actually added a second job on top of that. Oh, wow. So I got an opportunity to be a librarian part-time at the Dixon Mm -hmm. Gallery and Gardens in Memphis. So it's an art museum slash gardens historical home. Yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful. Contrary to popular belief, there
0: is more in Memphis than Graceland <laughs> yes. and a Bass Pro Shop Pyramid and Beale Street. In fact, those exactly. are probably not the best things about Memphis. Um, right, right. In fact, I don't think they, they yeah. are in any way, shape, or form the best things about Memphis. I mean, the ducks are pretty <laughs> no. cool. Yeah,
1: um, the, the Peabody Ducks. The Peabody the ducks, ducks. That, yeah, that's that's really fun. But there's definitely beautiful beautiful museums in Memphis. The Dixon is definitely one of them, Um, but they had a small reference library that was only for the curators and the other staff members to use for their research for the exhibitions, and um, they needed someone to catalog the books and add them into the system, so that was my weekend job. So mm-hmm. I did that for about four hours every weekend, in addition to my full-time job and working on my library degree. So that's cool. It was it was fun. It was a really nice, laid-back environment because that really that was not public-facing. Um, it was a you know pretty quiet, almost, almost no one was there on the weekends, so it mm-hmm. was uh, it was nice. Sounds kind of relaxing. But yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty great, and it was of course beautiful, you know, place to be. So that was that, and then I graduated this past May, and I was just looking for a professional job. I knew I wanted to stay in the South. Um, I knew I wanted it to be more of a of a technical kind of job because most of what i did at university of memphis was kind of behind the scenes it really was not interacting with the public as much Mm -hmm. anymore which i do miss but it's it's also a completely different type of environment um versus the public library Mm -hmm. because you're answering more more in-depth research questions from students who are you know, maybe working on a master's or a PhD, or it may be a faculty member. Um, So those kinds of questions are, were definitely a switch from where can I find this book (laughs) at the public library?
0: Okay. So next question. So, so now you're at Mississippi state, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is that librarians are actually faculty members. Um, Yes. And, not well, everywhere. At least, at least I didn't um, know that, but yeah. they are—they are at Belmont. Um, they even yeah. serve on faculty senate, which is interesting. Um, so mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like, what does it mean to be a faculty member um, and a
1: librarian? Well, it's interesting. Um, it not every university has their librarians as faculty status, um, but a lot of places do. It's, it basically means that you are kind of on, you know, the same level as a faculty member who teaches and you're also expected to do the same things that those faculty members do, like um, research, service, you know, serving on committees and publishing, those types of things. And I, in my position, I'm also tenure track so i'm expected to start publishing and serving at conferences on committees and it's it's interesting it's something i was never sure that i wanted to do because it seemed really intimidating um but it's a great opportunity because you get to meet so many people at conferences I'm hoping to go to the American Library Association conference this year. I haven't been yet to a national conference. I've been to state conferences. Um, But it's really exciting. And then I also get to write, which I love. I was an English major, so I did a lot of that. Um, But it's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's something I'm still learning about and trying to come up with what I want to do is my, my research agenda.
0: Hey, but see, that's the fun part, right? Yeah. You know, coming up with an idea, finding things to research and good luck with that. I mean, that's, that's exciting. It um, is. It and is. you're getting to do what you love to do. I mean, right? That, that's something that, that's something that a lot of people don't get to do. And It
1: is. I feel extremely lucky to have found something and, been able to pursue it, Um, you know, student loans are a real barrier for people Mm -hmm. to continue to pursue education. And I think it's just incredibly valuable when institutions offer tuition waivers or even reimbursement, it's extremely helpful.
0: It's great. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what you do outside of the world of the library. (laughs) <laughs> so before the show, we were, we were talking a little bit about um, kind of the stuff we do and the stuff we enjoy. And, and, you know, both of us, you know, are a little geeky, I think, um, if yeah. that's a fair thing to say. Um, oh, sure. You enjoy cosplay, um, I which do. is not something that I've done very much. Um, but I did get a Jedi costume. I will be wearing that for Halloween. And that will be the oh, first nice. time that I have ever dressed up um, wow. as something like that, which is very interesting um for me uh i'll have to post a picture it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun um but i'm gonna wear it to work which should be interesting even more so um (laughs) there's what's weird we're having a it's not weird we're having a a university staff advisory council like uh campus-wide staff meeting and they are encouraging folks to wear costumes and Uh, My wife is on the executive council. She's uh, vice president. So um, that means that I have to dress up, but she's dressing (laughs) up as Ray and I'm dressing up as generic Jedi. So that should work out. Oh, there you Um, go.
1: Couples costume. And since I have, uh,
0: since I already have a lightsaber, it kind of works out.
1: There you go. Yeah. (laughs)
0: What do you do? Like, uh, what are some of the things that you've dressed up as?
1: So I got invited to a convention one time, and that was kind of the start of, you know, it kind of opened my eyes to, oh, you can actually do this. Like people, people just dress up, and it's it's a conversation starter. So, you know, it's it's actually a great way to make friends who have common interests with you. Um, I I was really into Game of Thrones, so Daenerys. From Game of Thrones was a really popular one that I did. Um, I've dressed up as Poison Ivy and Misty from Pokemon. And it's just it's just fun. It's, it's a nerdy thing to do. And it really... I've made friends at conventions. It's a great chance to get to talk to other people who are interested in the same things. So, yeah, whenever there's one around, I try to go... Uh, there's really good ones in Memphis. The Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. I think that one's in November.
0: Yep. I really wanted to go to Dragon it's Con.
1: really fun. Yeah, Dragon Con. I, I would love to go to Dragon Con.
0: Maybe next year. Yeah, that's what I say every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite author was there this year, and um, I uh, really wanted to meet him um, in person. I've talked to him online on occasion. But, uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, so one of my favorite book series is the the Lost Fleet series by Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Campbell. Um, uh, But he goes by, uh, uh, it's a pseudonym. His his actual name is John Henry. And um, he has a Facebook group for all of his fans. And you can, like, go into it and, like, actually talk with him. Um, and I think that that's this is one of the cool. cooler things. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's, it's a great series. And, um, if you like military science fiction, which is just, you know, space opera, um, yeah. <laughs> essentially Battlestar galactica e <laughs> kind of stuff. But, right. um, he's a, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting world we live in where you can just like meet your off- your favorite author online and like talk with him on occasion. It's, and- yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very cool. cool. It's amazing how social media has changed the way that authors can interact and artists can interact.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's even, he's even like hopped into, like, i I made a Facebook post about like one of my favorite anime movies. And then he hopped into it and we had a discussion in the comments about it. It was pretty <laughs> cool. That's um, so
1: cool.
0: Yeah. But yeah, Dragon Con is one that I really want to go to. Um, it's not just for that, but just because, uh, I think last year I was, um, I was in San Diego and at a conference, the, uh, EDU web conference and San Diego comic-con was happening at the same time. And I just felt oh, wow. like I was missing out. Um, because you just <laughs> step out in San Diego and just like, all stormtroopers just walk right by and you're just like (laughs) it's like 90 (laughs) degrees out here guys like oh yeah helmets off yeah don't don't because i don't want to smell i don't want to smell what you smell like (laughs) under that helmet because i've worn our mascot costume and it is not fun and they only yeah they wear it in the air conditioning bruiser kind of smelly in there Um, but anyone who has ever stuck their head into a mascot head knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Um, there's just a very particular smell that just doesn't go away. Um, (laughs) um, no matter how much you drive, they were dedicated. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. They are very dedicated, especially since they're making children happy, usually wearing those things and I cannot be happy while wearing it, um, (laughs) much less pretend to be, um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, cosplay is just, it's just one of those things that's always intrigued me. I've always wanted to do it, but at the same time, there's a lot of dedication that goes into that. And
1: it is. Yeah. And it's, it's I have so much respect you're... for people that do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, and there are professional cosplayers who yes, there are. actually do that for a living. It's incredible. But it's like um, YouTubers. The detail, I don't know how they do yeah. it. Yeah right yeah it's it's wonderful that they can but you know it's it's not something i could do (laughs) so more power to them
0: it was like this this weekend i was um i don't know why i've just started to be really fascinated with content creators on the internet um and especially like there's a couple here and there that I that I watch that like there's a guy that does anime, there's a guy that does like um I really love Japanese culture and learning about it. So mm-hmm. um like abroad in Japan, really great channel. Um and he just talks about what life is like in Japan. Um does little documentaries things like that. Um he has like two to three million views per episode. Now Think about that wow. that is wow. like that is at the level of like a show on cbs right or a broadcast yeah. television show that is what they get that's like what the daily show like gets at night that's true you know yeah. that's nuts and it's just some guy in japan and there's another one um where this uh this guy he cooks um and his cats watch it. It's called <laughs> June's Kitchen. And Oh wow. They have like two, three, four million followers. Like I'm just like, <laughs> man. And then you go on the internet and you see, you know, the estimates of how much these folks make just based off of their YouTube ad content. And you're just like,
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And
0: this is what I'm doing for a living.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insane. It's insane. It's, it's so crazy how times have changed that you can just do that and make more money than your parents ever did. Well, and, you know, it's just insane. the internet has
0: just changed the way things go. Like, um, mm-hmm. like esports, <laughs> you know, a lot of people laugh about it, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Fortnite World Cup, right? this is something that I read. (laughs) Um, the people who do Fortnite make more money than the people who win Wimbledon. Wow. (laughs) I mean, the, that's uh, incredible. The winners of the Dota two, um, uh, uh, tournament won. uh, 15 million, well 15.6 million. And the total prize pool for the whole thing was 34 million.
1: Goodness. Goodness wow. is
0: right. Like not even PGA Tour or NASCAR people make that much money.
1: Wow. That's yeah. wild. The
0: the <laughs> the earnings of esports now is higher than the Super Bowl.
1: Wow. So,
0: well, I mean, then what players get at the Super Bowl? So, that's just crazy. It's crazy. It is. And yeah, why why am I doing what I'm doing? Oh yeah, because I would never be able to play esports, um, because those people have mad reflexes that 38 year old Logan would never be able to do. Like it's <laughs> esports are like esports are like actual sports. Like there's an age limit, and it's not based off of that. It's just your neurons don't fire as fast anymore. Um, really.
1: I did not yeah. know that.
0: Oh Lord, you try to play a twelve-year-old on the internet. <laughs> um, people joke that the twelve-year-olds beat the living daylights out of them. Well, yeah, it's because their arms are shorter and they have faster neurons. Um, wow. So they don't. They, there's less uh, less milliseconds between the brain and the fingertips. You know, that's that's how it wow. works.
1: That's so, just crazy.
0: Yeah, it's physics. Um, it's just yeah. how it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we live in a, in an interesting world and, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, like to bring it all back, you know, um, <laughs> you know, even the library, like when I was in college, um, we were encouraged by our professors to act when we're searching for journals to go physically find them in the library and read them. And now, I mean, you can just use Lexus Nexus and there you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had Lexus Nexus back then, but you know. Yeah, it's just different. Who Times knew if this changing. internet thing was going to catch on,
1: right? Right, exactly. And everything's going digital. It's been digital for a while now. I haven't um, read a
0: physical book in a while.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, that is. Well, actually, my, what I do, actually, is ordering... So, acquisitions is all about ordering the materials that mm-hmm. researchers, the faculty request. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I still order print books daily. Um, so, they are used. And I think that they are used more so in majors like art and architecture. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those, those areas still require more physical than digital but the majority uh yeah, is usually have ebooks VR. yeah yeah that's true but um yeah it's everything is just moving towards digital and the print is just less and less but
0: i'm just proud of myself if used. i read it on my kindle like if yeah. i read it on my kindle i'm reading it the old-fashioned way right um, right. Not on my iPad screen <laughs> where it's constant, infinite scroll. Um, yeah. I'm actually having to tap it to turn the page. Uh, <laughs> actually, I bought a book. I bought a book at Powell's a few weeks ago. I can't lie, but I actually ended up buying the Kindle version too. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Is that bad? Like to buy the physical book so you can say you have it and put it on your bookshelf, but buy the Kindle I mean... so it's easier to carry around.
1: I don't think so. I mean, there's, there's a lot of advantages to having the digital version, but there's just nothing like a, an actual physical book sometimes. And it's just, I guess it smells nice. It, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know, carrying around a 372 page book is, you know, Yeah, I of, mean, that's,
1: that's definitely, you know, a harder. thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not to say that I feel in any way that we should get rid of libraries. Harder to travel they with. <laughs> they are wonderful things, and librarians do more than, um, than uh, push books. Uh, you guys yes. push. You guys push information. Which yes, is important. and
1: and access to information is really right. the main thing. It's um, you know, making things available for people. And teaching it's, people to find things. Right. And how to search and how to find what they're actually looking for. And it's, it's nice because it's kind of, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm doing something that is really meaningful and that's Mm -hmm. nice because everyone needs access to information and there's not everything is on the internet. And a lot of times especially for researchers at universities, the information they need is behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that paywall is extremely expensive and always increasing. So, you know, the only way is through libraries, the only way to access it. And, you know, it's, it's extremely important for them. And I, it, it makes me feel like I'm, you know, helping and contributing and doing my part.
0: Well, the way I've always thought about it is this, um, you know, the internet is great for like tertiary sources, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, finding those, mm-hmm. you know, finding, you know, maybe review, well, v- review articles are still like secondary sources, but, you know, just finding general information, it's great. But if you want to find the most up-to-date first draft of history, those kinds of things. That's what you have libraries for. Um, Right. You know, those primary sources, those secondary sources that pull the primary sources together. Um, And Mm -hmm. see, that's the thing is that what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of this stuff exists out there. Um, And that's something that I've found, you know, just in general on the internet and just people, when they question, a lot of people are questioning the information that they see, whether it's science or data or any of these kinds of things. It seems like these days facts are open to debate, which is boggles my mind, but it is. I mean, we live in a society. Yeah.
1: I mean, we do live in a world now where fake news exists and, you know, the article that you may see online may not be true at all. So so that's why it's important that people
0: understand that they can go to the library and they can find the real stuff, the real information.
1: And that not only that, the librarians, there are happy to help. And, you know, at MSU, a workshop that we have is, um, about, you know, identifying fake news and being able to identify trustworthy sources and how to find those sources and that's extremely important these days that, you know, you, you can, you just can't believe everything that you see. And especially now it's important to question and to be skeptical.
0: That's right. And you know, that's a really, actually we're out of time and that's a really great like place to end that think. So thanks Kathy <laughs> so much. This was a great conversation. I'm really glad you came on. the Well, show
1: thank way. you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, my pleasure, but I'm really I'm really glad you came. Um, listeners, oh, you. head down to highered.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please give... If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. We're part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks and have a great week.